Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Sandra Geisler, Director of Tax Planning for Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94, between Highway 164 and Highway F in Ridgeview Corporate Park, and in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. Today we're going to talk about all things tax. We have the uh, privilege of the entire EIG tax team here today. We're going to have a roundtable discussion, talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to as we prepare 2023 tax returns, some end of year planning tips, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what we're expecting for 2024. So join me in welcoming my associate Ed Henning. Hello. And Richard Wallacek. Hello. We uh, did a podcast in May or June and talked about uh, all things that we were looking forward to for 2023, and time sure flies, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Now we're doing end of year and preparing for the holidays, and before you know it, it's going to be time to do tax return preparation. So Right around the corner. Yeah, yeah it's coming up. Let's get on it. Here we go. <laughs> all right. I think the first thing that we um, wanted to talk about today was sort of those year-end planning things. And, and as we were preparing for our podcast today, we were throwing out some of the things that we've been talking with our clients about. And they're things we talk about every year, but, but they're important. And they're things that you know we want to remind people. And some people maybe haven't had to deal with certain things like RMDs before now. So it's good to just do a review and kind of see where we are with everything. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, you know, before we kind of got into it, is that we really aren't expecting much in terms of tax legislation. Uh, it seems many, many years we are, you know, waiting with bated breath this time of year, anxious for the IRS or the Congress to make a decision about what they're going to pass and not pass for this year. You know, there's really no uh, pending uh, legislation right now. And as time is ticking away to the end of the year, we're really not expecting Congress to have a lot of resources to put things in place. Um, we are coming into an election year, of course, and so we're probably going to be hearing more about some tax talk as we move into 2024 and as we start to hear more about the platforms of the individual candidates. But for now, we're really not planning on you know anything, uh, any year-end surprises or you know any year-end uh, planning that we're going to have to do pending that legislation. So. What we have is what we get now, and so let's talk a little bit about what we're doing for planning. So one of the things we wanted to start with, for sure, was required minimum distributions, and there was a bit of a change in 2023 on that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The uh, the age was increased to age 73. Uh, depending on your birth date, it could be 75. And kind of going back to the whole tax law changes, we didn't know about that change until the last business day of last year. Mm -hmm. Right. So for all of our planning that we're doing, it's, it's this is what we know, and sometimes things change at the very end of the year for the, f the following years going forward. So, yeah, that's one of the newest changes for this year kind of going forward is that it's, it's a year 
later than it used to be, and it's going to be spread out as time goes on here. Right. So I believe the cutoff is... uh, 1960. So famous date date here, right? Right. What happened in 1960? So, so, so those of us born after 1960, uh, we get to wait until we're age 75 Mm -hmm. to take our required minimum distribution. Uh, Everybody else prior that was born prior to 1960, uh, they're required to take it starting at age 73. Uh, So, Ed, why don't you just tell us real quickly again what what is a required minimum distribution and why does the government want us to take it? Yeah, so um, with uh, your tax-deferred assets, you are required by the IRS rules to, you know, take it that required minimum distribution. You know, you've been deferring on tax all this time, but the government, you know, eventually needs their money. So um, we do have have this in place where now it's, you know, with the age change, it's 73, but um, every year you're going to be required to take out a certain amount of money out of that tax-deferred account, um, based on a, a factor that the IRS provides. Um, so, yeah, it's just something that we're going to, you know, obviously have to take take out every year, and it could affect your tax tax bracket, your tax situation. Um, anything you can do to kind of reduce that over the years is kind of ideal, but that's um, RMD in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's roughly 3 to 4% of the total value of your IRA is kind of what sure. it works out to every year. Um, and I did also want to mention, in case we haven't talked about this before, that the year that you start RMD, so if you're turning 73 this year, it's the first time you're required to draw out of that IRA. Uh, you do actually have uh, a, a little bit of a grace period. So if you've not made the RMD this year and you choose not to, you still can make it uh, for the first three months of the following year. So up until April 1st, you can still take the RMD for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you will then have to take a double RMD in 2024. So you would take sure. your 2023 in the first quarter, um, and then sometime before the end of the year, you'd have to take a double. So it it makes sense in some tax situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. If you started RMDs prior to this year, you don't get that grace period. You have to make sure that that distribution is taken by December 31st. One of the changes we did see this year, though, was a penalty reduction from the IRS. That was part of the Secure 2.0 Act that was passed at the end of last year. And the penalty for that has uh, been reduced from 50% for not taking it down to 25%. Um, Additionally, if you don't take the RMD before December 31st and then recognize that you didn't take it Mm -hmm. and you immediately rectify that situation, the penalty then will be reduced to 10%. So in other words, if you find the mistake and fix it, 10%. If the IRS finds the mistake and fix it, it's a 25% penalty. So that was a nice reduction as part of the uh, SECURE Act as well. Absolutely. All right. What other things are we talking about for some year-end planning? Do we have uh, inherited required minimum distributions on the table as well? Well, um, it, it depends, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. I, I mean, there there has been speak that you're supposed to take it, and then that has not necessarily been codified or turned into tax law that you absolutely must take an RMD from an inherited account. And again, we're talking about inherited IRAs from decedents who passed after January 1 of 2020 Mm -hmm. and had started 
required minimum distributions exactly. prior to them passing. That's the gray area right now. For the last three years, the IRS has waived the penalties mm -hmm. on RMDs for that and has promised us some additional guidance so that we were clear on whether we were required to take an RMD from those accounts or not. Right, and so far the clarity is that we, we have no requirement for the first two or three years now with the expectation that we might have a requirement going forward. Correct, correct. For decedents prior to January 1 of 2020, there is an RMD in mm -hmm. place. That yep, did right. not change with the legislation, mm -hmm. uh, the original SECURE Act, that went into effect on January 1 of 2020. Right. So it really kind of shrinks that window that we have to deplete that IRA account. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things we get questions on a lot is, is Roth conversions. Um, and so as long as we're talking about RMDs, we wanted to make sure that we uh, let everybody know that you cannot convert your RMD to a Roth. You have to take it outright. Mm -hmm. um, right. You don't necessarily have to spend it. You can reinvest it. You just can't put it back into your Roth IRA. From the inherited From, account, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Or or your own traditional IRA. You can't convert your RMD. Correct. Right. All um, right. Good. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Roth conversions. So that's a year-end planning tool that we might want to look at, and we might have a little bit of time left to execute. I think the clock is ticking here, the right? The clock all, is yeah. ticking. All the custodians are, are going to have a hard cutoff here, right? They've got volume, they've got processing, and we don't have much time left until year-end here. Yep, but maybe we have a little bit of time to sneak it in, if it mm -hmm. makes sense. And right. talk a little bit about you know what situations we might see that that look like uh, a Roth conversion would be a good idea to accelerate income into this year? Yeah, so um, just, you know, it really depends on which, which tax bracket you're in, but we're basically converting our tax-deferred assets over to the tax-free Roth. Um, you know, once you convert that, that money grows tax-free. You never have to pay tax on that money again. So, you know, with, with the RMD in consideration, um, anything we can do to reduce that tax deferred balance, this is this is definitely a way to do that. Um, you know, when we don't have wages, when we get to retirement, that's you know kind of the the golden years of tax planning, as as Richard would say. <laughs> so, um, the opportunity when we don't have those wages is to potentially flip that that tax bracket with those Roth conversions. So, you know, we do have if you're in the twelve percent bracket, your your income's at you know fifty thousand. I think the the top of that. 12% bracket goes up to 90,000 and that's that's based on your taxable income. So that that might give you the opportunity to put $40,000 uh convert that over to the the Roth tax where you do pay the pay the tax in the year of conversion. Um but once it's paid, it's it's taken care of. So um definitely a good opportunity to as far as, you know, year-end tax planning to, you know, reduce that that tax deferred balance, lock in that that lower tax rate as we're in historical low rates right now. So I like that word opportunity. It is an opportunity. You get to pick and choose how much or how little. Right. And the essence is you lock in today's tax rates. Yeah. And so for sure, when we're looking at people that have room in that 12% bracket that you were talking about. Right. That's the sweet uh, spot. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. Those That bracket really should be used up uh, mm -hmm. with any opportunity you have to accelerate income into there. Sure. Good. Let's talk a little bit about charitable giving. That's the time of year that we're you know, looking to do some extra giving um, in this holiday season. Uh, so we have a couple different ways of doing charitable giving. One is, you know, outright, of course. Right. Um, but folks who are over the age of 70 and a half have an 
additional opportunity um, that the rest of us don't have. Yeah, it's awesome, right? You can give to charity tax-free. Take out a distribution from the IRA. It goes straight to the charitable organization, and it does not pass through the federal tax return or the state tax return. So what that means is there's no threshold to give a minimum amount out in order to deduct it uh, as if you were to itemize your deductions. So dollar for dollar, you're saving federal and state taxes if it's a qualified charitable distribution. Otherwise, beyond that, you, you pretty much have to look at gifting from your checking account, potentially bunching up your gifts to aggregate a, a large number so that you can deduct it. Yeah, and we we have been working with clients uh, recently who have been giving uh, securities to their oh, charitable yeah. organizations, sure. and we love that from a tax planning perspective as well, because uh, if we have especially highly appreciated securities in our portfolio, we don't want to sell those, create the cash and the capital gain and the associated tax liability just to do our giving. A more tax efficient way to do that is to actually give the security in kind to your charitable organization um, and then let them deal with the capital gains on their end. You get a deduction for the current fair market value of that security, and you don't have to pay tax on the capital gain. So it's kind of a win-win. Yes, I was going to say that. It is definitely (laughs) a win-win, right? Absolutely. Uh, So if you're inclined to do some giving, uh, let's get that done. Um, There's a one uh, timing difference that I wanted to point out with regard to the difference between charitable giving uh, on an after-tax basis and charitable giving from your IRA. Charitable giving from your IRA must uh, be cashed. The check must be cashed um, by the organization for it to count for 2023. The flip side of that is if you are writing a a check from your regular checking account, uh, from any kind of an after-tax account, um, all you have to do is write the check um, prior to January or December 31st. It does not necessarily have to be cashed for mm-hmm. you to count it as a deduction. So slight timing difference mm-hmm. on those two. Well, that got me to thinking here too that, that qualified charitable distribution also goes back to our last topic, required minimum distributions. That donation to charity also counts towards the RMD. Great point. Great point. So there's another win-win in the, the realm of tax savings. Absolutely. So if you have a very large RMD, one of the ways to whittle that down a little bit from a tax perspective um, might be to do some giving. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, there's a couple other things. These are uh, things that we wanted to talk about. They're technically year-end planning, but we've got a little bit of extra time to make them happen. So things like IRA contributions, for example, um, are not due until April 15th. Contributions to SEP IRAs are not due till April 15th. So we have a little bit of time if you have to prepare your tax return or, or uh, aggregate income for different uh, thresholds. Sure. We have time to kind of do all that before we have to make those contributions. So um, something to think about, not necessarily anything that has to be enacted before December 31st, but we want to keep in mind that we have the opportunities because uh, you're not going to hear from us again before April 15th. <laughs> so uh, Roth IRA contributions, regular IRA contributions, what other things do we have until April 15th to take care of for 2023? Yeah, so you also have the HSA, uh, FSA, I believe that would be um, another thing as well. And then 
EdBest, any any you know college five twenty nine savings plan. Um, you do have until April fifteenth to contribute to those to get that Wisconsin deduction. And if you're if you're listening from out of state and you're due five twenty nine plan options, make sure you check with your individual plan to see if they have yeah. that additional grace period. Here sure. in Wisconsin, our EdBest plan does allow contributions mm-hmm. for the current year up until April fifteenth of the following year. Um, but you're going to want to check your individual plans on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, some states are not as uh, tax-friendly that way. That's right. right. Another great benefit of living in Wisconsin, you get snow and this Edvest uh, extension. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap up this segment um, and remind you that uh, we'll be back after a short break. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Sandra Geisler, Director of Tax Planning at Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm joined today with Richard Wallacek and Ed Henning. Together we make up the EIG tax team and we're talking about all things tax today, 2023, 2024, and maybe even some things about uh, beyond that. Um, Yeah, we don't do just tax planning here. It's almost like projection or fortune telling or forecasting. (laughs) That's right. That's right. right. Um, So... We just finished up uh, a few weeks ago. We did a a live seminar where we talked about some of the new things for 2023 and the things that we're planning for 2024. Um, We would love to have you join us next year. We try to do that on an annual basis here in our education center. Uh, And one of the things that we talked about in detail was uh, 1099Ks. 1099Ks are... um, are basically tax forms uh, that we were expecting lots and lots and lots of people to get this year. They were mm-hmm. they were talking somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50 million or so were going to go out. And those are from typically third-party payment providers, PayPal, Venmo, mm-hmm. um, all of those kinds of um, uh, organizations that do money transfers. Um, and... Uh, Prior to about a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, the threshold for sending out those 1099Ks was uh, $600 or 20 transactions. Uh, so that means if you and, you know, your friends or your siblings are transferring money back and forth, you know, on a fairly regular basis, uh, it might be that you had more than 20 transactions and more than $600 flowed through and uh, individuals were going to be getting 1099Ks. This is really the IRS's way of trying to track some of the the cash um, that happens um, with different types of self-employment income, uh, Uber drivers, things like that, people who are not necessarily um, having their income tracked. And, uh, and so we were talking a lot about how... Uh, how to correct that, what to do if you get one, all of those things. Oh, yeah. We had an in-depth conversation and a riveting conversation about what's going to happen. Right, And then things changed. And then things changed. (laughs) Right. So about two weeks ago, the IRS came out and said, uh, yep, we're going to waive that again for 2023. And we're also going to suggest that maybe in 2024, we're going to raise that threshold considerably. Mm -hmm. So we're going to wait for more guidance on that in 2024. But uh, 
I know we talked about that uh, on the radio show in May and June, and again at our live seminar that we did. And uh, and then the IRS comes and surprises us. And so we're in the tax world kind of used to all of that, but we wanted right. to make sure that everybody uh, that's listening knows that it's probably more unlikely at this point that you're going to see those 1099Ks. So everybody can take a sigh of relief now because <laughs> we don't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that we're looking at um, as we continue to talk about things in 2023, um, on the Wisconsin side, those of you in Wisconsin, um, one of the the things that we're a little bit excited about Mm. is that we will no longer have to be making adjustments for capital losses in Wisconsin. So the capital loss limitation on the federal return has been $3,000 for for just about ever, I think, sure. um, and has always been $500 in Wisconsin. So if you took the $3,000 loss on your federal return, we had to add $2,500 back to your income in Wisconsin. And starting uh, in 2023, this year, yeah, yeah right. we no longer have to do that. So um, so that's a little bit of, uh, of an increase um, for for those of us in Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, I haven't figured out who's more excited, tax preparers or, or the people paying the taxes. On right, that one. right. Yeah, well, I think we're all excited about that. Um, <laughs> we've got some new energy credits this year, too. So somebody want to jump in and tell us a little bit about those uh, energy credits that people might be able to take advantage of? Yeah, so the the Inflation Reduction Act came out with um, <clears throat> a couple of different credits that are available for residential energy home improvements. First one being the energy efficient home improvement credit. Um, so there used to be a $500 and or a lifetime limit. So you kind of have to, you know, fetch your your prior year returns to see, you know, if you've taken this credit in the past. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We have we now have a new annual credit, so no no lifetime credits, an annual credit, and they bumped it up to twelve hundred dollars. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, they also have a kind of a separate uh, credit limit for heat pumps and biomass stoves and boilers. Um, just an FYI, so these energy tax credits are not refundable. So we have to have tax liability to be able to take that credit. I just wanted to point that out. And how much is the credit for the boilers? Um, so yeah, that was that was two thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then there's some other credits for things like exterior doors and windows and such. Right. Right. So that's um, the two two separate credits that they have. The, the other one's called the energy efficient home credit, or actually, so residential clean energy credit and the energy efficient home credit. The that first one um, does give you that 30% credit for qualifying home home improvements, but it does have an annual dollar limit on certain things, um, such as home energy audits. That's $150. Exterior doors, $250 per door, things like that. Um, you know, windows, there's a $600 credit there. So, um, you know, you can everything adds up, but you do have that $1,200 limit each year. And then that, so that second credit, we do have the residential clean energy credit. Um, that that's more of the you know solar panels things like that. So you do get that thirty percent credit. Let's say you have solar panels installed. That's maybe thirty thousand dollars. Thirty percent of that's a nine thousand dollar credit you could take on your return this year. So um, it's definitely a, a nice opportunity for for the new you know Inflation Reduction Act changes on the the home and home energy. They're kind of getting a little bit more stringent on some of those requirements too. I was reading about the home energy audit. 
And it's like the first year, the home auditor doesn't necessarily need certain certifications or anything, but after that, they need to be certified. They need to sign a report. They need to do this, that, in order to be able to take that as a, a deduction. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What about second homes? If you've got a little cottage up north or a condo down in Florida, and you want to make some of those home improvements to the to your second home. Yeah, so that's actually uh, available for certain things. I think it's, um, if I kind of remember off the top of my head here, uh, central AC, uh, water heaters, furnaces, things like that um, are eligible. If you have that second home, you can still get that credit, um, as well as the solar, you know, solar heating properties, uh, small wind energy, things like that. Okay, so. okay. So if you're doing some of those improvements to a home that is not your primary residence, make sure you check the regulations on those to see what qualifies and what doesn't. But Absolutely. Um, or see your tax preparer. Or call your tax preparer, right? <laughs> awesome. Richard, fill us in a little bit on the electric vehicle credits that Elect- we're expecting this year. Yeah, I mean, this year, your top end of the tax credit is $7,500, depending on the make and the model and depending on uh, what those boundary minerals and the full final assembly and everything. Uh, for 2023, that tax credit is, is uh, I guess, it, ter- it comes back to you in the form of filing your tax return and claiming that credit. And how much is it can you get for um, an electric vehicle? It depends on the make and the model, up to okay. 7500 Some of them are about half that. Okay. In 2024, there's a major change where you can shift that tax credit to the point of purchase. So depending on if your mm-hmm. income is within the thresholds, that can reduce the purchase price. You transfer the credit to the dealership. There's a whole uh, process and um, like a sale activity report that the dealer will create at that point in time. And then it helps to reduce the the overall cost. You get the credit at that point in time instead of waiting to file your tax return in, say, 2025 now. So things are moving in a a general direction of of more speedy uh, reception of that tax credit. And we'll kind of wait and see what other makes and models qualify for it. Otherwise, I know electric vehicles are a very large purchase. People tend to spend lots of time researching to figure out what's the best or what fits the budget and and everything else. So there are multiple resources available online where you can check the VIN to make sure it qualifies. You can check other databases to confirm that your make and model qualifies for X number of dollars as a tax credit. So you almost know the answer before you make that purchase of what tax credit you can expect to receive. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is uh, the internet's going to be a great resource for they're, determining they're, whether the vehicle you want to purchase is going to be uh, eligible for that credit. Yeah, I mean, there's e- fueleconomy.gov. Gov. They're a governmental-run website. They, they're going to tell you yes or no if it qualifies and how much that tax credit is. Okay, perfect. So you don't have to run out and buy that electric vehicle yet this year because we still have the credits available going, going forward. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you want to buy your spouse that little extra Christmas gift, maybe a EV is something you want to look at this year, huh? Absolutely. I mean, I yeah. hear they make bows big enough for cars nowadays. I see it on commercials all the time. There you so. go. There you go. All right. all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up what we wanted to just point out for changes in 2023. Uh, we'll be right back after a short break. 
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Sandra Geisler, Director of Tax Planning at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I'm here with Richard and Ed. And this segment, we want to talk a little bit about 2024. Um, as we uh, turn the calendar here in a couple weeks, we've got some new things that we're expecting for 2024. Um, as always, we get some nice cost of living adjustments. The last few years, of course, um, we've seen rather large cost of living adjustments. Um, Social Security, not quite as large for 2024 as we saw in 2023, uh, but we are going to be getting a 3.2% increase to Social Security benefits starting next year. Um, Medicare premium costs have gone up roughly about $10 um, per month at the base level. Um, I did, and, the, did the math on that one. It's about 5.9% of an okay, increase. Okay, there was, you go. I was curious about it, and depending on your perspective, you're like, oh, it's 10 bucks. Otherwise, you're going to go, oh, shoot, it went up 5.9%. That's, that's pretty significant, right? That is yeah. pretty significant. Wow. Um, you know, the standard deduction actually went up about $1,500 um, from 23 to 2024. And depending on your tax bracket, you know, that could be yeah. a, a pretty sizable tax savings. We also saw cost of living adjustments to the actual tax brackets themselves. Um, and I think, um, again, they're not as large as they were in uh, 2023. Um, but I think they'll, they're still going to be impactful for people as we um, you know, look at people's tax liabilities over the course of the year. There's a very, sure. very small, very small reduction in the Wisconsin state tax um, for 2024 as yeah. well. Yeah, isn't it minuscule? It's, it's minuscule, like, but, it's, it's, a, but it's in the right direction. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> what other things are we, um, are we talking about in terms of 2024? So we do have um, IRA contribution limits as well. Um, I think that that went up about five hundred dollars to. So if it was sixty five hundred for age under under age fifty, it's uh, seven thousand now. And then if it was, you know, if you're over that age fifty, you do get that catch up contribution uh, amount of a thousand dollars. So you could, you know, potentially if that's you know I guess eight thousand dollars next year. So it's a nice opportunity to fund fund that Roth IRA or you know, if it works out for you to do the traditional IRA, that works too. So mm -hmm. for that, that catch up, the, wasn't there speak of putting the, the Roth component of a 401k only into uh, the Roth vehicle for yes. that catch up yeah. portion? And yes. I think they, they stretched out that requirement for just for when it should start, right? Yes. Yes. I believe that was supposed to start January 1 of 2024, and they have deferred that at least a year. One year, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is if you're contributing to a Roth 401k. Um, like the catch-up portion. The catch-up portion um, can still be in the Roth. Correct. Okay. Or even vice versa. If you were not participating in the Roth, you're doing all pre-tax that catch-up portion was supposed to go into that Roth bucket, but yes. it's no longer required to be Correct. put into it. So that that's something we'll have to keep an eye on for when we'll have to incorporate that into tax projections. Exactly, sure. exactly. Another thing that went up next year is the annual gift exclusion. So this year you can give up to $17,000 without any kind of gift tax issue or gift tax filing issue. Um, that exclusion amount has gone up to $18,000 in 2024. Um, and that's the, I believe the 
third or fourth year in a row we've seen a thousand dollar increase there so Mm -hmm. if you're looking at giving away part of your estate um, you absolutely want to take advantage of that that exclusion amount yeah, give sure. it away. Tax free, right? Yeah, tax free. No, right. no tax to the uh, receiver or mm-hmm. the giver mm-hmm. in that situation. If you give more than eighteen thousand dollars, of course, you're, there's no tax at this point either. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. We don't worry about that until after you pass away and we determine the total value of your estate. But we do have a, a requirement mm-hmm. to file a tax return to sure. let the government know that you did give away part of it before you passed away. Mm-hmm. Other other updates for 2024, things that we're watching. We've got some secure 2.0 changes that are going into effect in 2024. We're going to keep our eye on that as we wait for additional guidance. One of the things that we talked about in detail the last time we did the radio show was the potential of converting uh, sort of the leftover Edvest oh, sure. funds yeah. potentially to a Roth IRA. Um, and there were some requirements about that in terms of how long the account had to be open and how much yeah. could be transferred and what those rules for contributions look like. But um, we're still waiting for some guidance on that, but we're excited about having that opportunity coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good. In our final segment, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things going on with the IRS as well as uh, looking forward, even past 2024. So we will be right back after a short break. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Sandra Geisler, Director of Tax Planning at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I'm joined today by the rest of the EIG tax team, Richard Wallacek and Ed Henning. In our final segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, all things IRS. Uh, I know we get a lot of questions um, as we're meeting with clients on a regular basis. You know, how are things in terms of the IRS backlog and um, how are how is it going with the hiring of the 87,000 auditors that they were planning right. and things mm-hmm. like that? So we thought um, it would be interesting to give you a little bit um, uh, a little bit of information about what we know, at least, about what uh, the IRS is doing and how they're spending some of those funds. You might recall that uh, during COVID, we had a, a bill that passed called the Inflation Reduction Act. And that, uh, also known as IRA, by the way, has nothing to do with oh, retirement. Ironic, yeah, right? has nothing to do with <laughs> retirement accounts. Um, but in that, there was, there was a considerable amount of funding for the IRS, and uh, they were to use that money to clean up the backlog, um, to improve their customer service, um, and to modernize some of their systems. Um, and the IRS actually has been doing a really good job, I think, this year of talking about how they're using those funds. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that people tend to remember the most is that they were going to hire 84,000 84, agents um, to, mm-hmm. to do audits. Uh, that got a little bit of uh, backlash from the general public. <laughs> but um, they have not given us any updates as to how that hiring is going, right. by the way, that I've heard. Um, but I do know one of the things that they're really working on is a lot of digital initiatives. So. Um, prior to this year, you know, we had to really do all of our correspondence with the IRS either via a phone call or via mail, um, which is, it gets a little bit cumbersome and, and honestly did add to a lot of the backlog that the IRS had. 
This year we've seen some really interesting digital initiatives. Um, we're almost uh, to the point where we're going to be required to have an online account um, as taxpayers with the IRS so that we can communicate with them. Um, but Richard, you were just talking about some of the IRS notices that are coming out. Yeah, I mean, the, the notices nowadays, they'll have a little code in the bottom corner of the letter, and it'll be, say, an upload code or a verification code, which means you can go to the IRS website, you can correspond to them in a digital manner uh, according to that code, and then you no longer have to have a letter sent through the mail in order to deliver that message. So it's going to speed up the time to send what they need and also to hear back. So that kind of goes back to, well, perhaps we start, we may need to start having profiles with the irs.gov website just so that you can correspond back and forth and also see the status of your tax return and kind of have a digital uh, profile with them nowadays kind of like you have a profile for every application or retailer that you use online you'll just have a, a login for the irs going forward because that's how you can communicate with them right right there's a a, a large number of forms now that they're letting us electronically sign. Yeah. Oh, um, right. So that's another bit, bit of a digital initiative. And I think uh, it, they're really signaling that that's the wave of the future, that that's paperless, how... Paperless, right? Paperless, yeah. Right. I mean, it's been 20 years that we've been, at least, that we've been electronically filing returns. So uh, I think it's it's really good that the IRS now is starting to use more of the technology that's not only available, but that people have become more comfortable with. You kind of come to expect it. It's like 2023 for the year. I mean, you can talk to the bank electronically. You can talk to retailers or, you know, you can start chats online. And you kind of expect that with every product that you use going forward. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so we really think that that's sort of the wave of the future with the IRS. They have reduced a lot of the backlog um, mm -hmm. from COVID, um, but there is still some backlog. So uh, if you are still continuing to deal with some issues as we are um, from 2020, 2021, or even before, uh, I just would suggest you just continue to stay on those. Um, and at some sure. point the IRS will, you know, will, will work through it all. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things that they've done is they've really improved the Where's My Refund uh, update. Um, that uh, is a website where you can go to look for information about your refund after you filed your tax return. Uh, the, now they're going to give you some additional information other than, yes, we have your return <laughs> right. and here's your refund. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, so they're right. going to, they're going to, uh, they've enhanced that quite a bit. Uh, that's a very well used website. So if you've used that in the past, uh, know that this year you should be able to get some additional information on that. And then also, Ed, um, Another unique initiative that they're uh, working on this year is direct file. Yeah, so that's <clears throat> another opportunity for, for us to advance in this di digital age with the IRS here. So um, basically you can do a direct file through through the IRS website and you don't have to go through that, that third party, you know, using a TurboTax or a Tax Act, things like that. You can, you can just do a direct file. Um, on our IRS website, yeah. so they are, you know, advancing that that opportunity. So. They're prototyping that this year, and so not all of the the states are eligible. So okay. I believe there's ten or eleven states. Wisconsin is not one of them this year. Uh, but as we've seen, I think that's sort of the wave of the future. Sure, um, we're one of the few countries that don't have a direct file program. Right. Uh, so it's great to have that option for people who have 
you know, simpler tax situations. Yeah, and so it's pretty limited, right? You have to have a relatively straightforward yeah. tax situation there. Right, right. Um, but all in all, I think the IRS is moving in the right direction. Oh, and we're looking, start. Yeah. we're looking forward to the initiatives that they'll be um, expanding on in 2024. Um, we talked a little bit about 2024 already, but I think the one thing that we really want to talk about as we even look past that, as we look past the election, um, is to remind everybody about um, sort of the sunset of all of the tax code that we have in place right now. So in 2018, we had the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, that increased the standard deduction, significantly reduced the tax rates, expanded the tax brackets, eliminated the exemption. There was some pretty significant changes on the individual side. Um, and in order to get that passed, um, they had to put a sunset clause on it. In 2018, it seemed really far away. Mm -hmm. But as, yeah. we're, as we're turning the tables on to 2024, that sunset on December 31st of 2025 is right around the corner. So that, that's two tax years. Yeah, it's two tax years. Yeah, so it doesn't give us a lot of time to plan. Um, most of the the experts are saying we probably won't have much guidance on that until after the new Congress is seated after the election. Sure. So we're going to watch that really carefully, but. We really want to make sure that we're getting that information out to people so that people aren't surprised when that happens. Right. And if it works for your tax situation, that, you know, you're, you're making the good decisions for the next couple of years that, you know, potentially you're accelerating income um, uh, or pushing back deductions right. in anticipation of higher tax rates coming down the road. Yeah, it goes back to that word opportunity. You have the choice to do your Roth conversions, and if you go at an accelerated pace this year, next year, and the year after, you lock in today's tax rates. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And we're going to be talking a lot more about that um, the next uh, couple of radio shows, I'm sure. So, mm -hmm. good, excellent. Uh, so, uh, April 15th is wow. tax filing deadline this year. That's a business yeah. day, right? It's That's... a business day. It's a Monday. So, uh, first time yeah. in a while, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we've gotten kind of used to the, the, COVID extensions and oh, then the 16th, 17th, 18th filing right. dates. So days, yeah. <laughs> we are back to the official April 15th in 2024. So mm -hmm. uh, I know the three of us are going to be really busy from now until then. <laughs> um, but we've enjoyed our time with you today. And uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again um, mid-2024. Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from noon to 1 p.m. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to learn more about Ellen Becker Investment Group and our upcoming events, please visit ellenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope that I have made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.